you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for LAist's new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We are where we eat. We'll go behind the scenes of LA restaurants. The kickoff event is May 22nd. Tickets at LAist.com slash events. If you like Dreamtown, the story of Adelanto, and want access to early ad-free episodes, join Friends of the Pod, Crooked's new subscription community at crooked.com slash friends. Now, if you forget what happened the last time, I don't blame you. Main thing to remember is this. A guy named Bug rolled into town and ran for a seat on the city council. He had a big plan. He was going to save the city of Adelanto by legalizing marijuana. Growing it, that is. Well, he won, and so did a new mayor. A guy by the name of Rich Kerr. Oh, I can't wait to see how this all goes. Soon after Bug won a seat on the city council, he was interviewed on a local television show called California Edition. The host, Brad Pomerantz, opened the segment by referring to the recent election where all three incumbents had been defeated as an insurgency. Council, suffice it to say, in Adelanto, a bit of an insurgency occurred. It was a revolution in the November 2014 election. What happened? Boy, I'll tell you what, it sure was a revolution. You know what? Uh, three incumbents were very uh, smug with their jobs. Well, I'll tell you what, just because you got name recognition doesn't necessarily mean you need to be reelected. <laughs> so because of, uh, you know, their failed policies, uh, you know, they had, uh, the people had, have spoken. Bug and the new majority on the council brought with them a lot of fresh ideas about how to save the struggling city. They also brought a lot of chaos. When reporter Shay Johnson first started covering the Adelanto City Council meetings, they were a bit of a snooze fest. Yeah, so Adelanto council meetings were really sort of these mundane government meetings in a city that's really sort of a dusty outpost of the high desert. And never really paid attention to city hall, city council, politics here in the city. Growing up in Adelanto, Stevana Evans never thought much about local politics. You know, as young folks, we're like, how do we pay rent and buy food and pay our bills and pay our student loans? Like that was, you know, that's our mindset. I, I have three children. I've got time to focus on what's going on at the city. It doesn't really affect me, so I don't care. But then, Bug, the ex-Marine Rich Kerr, and former Adelanto Mayor Charlie Glasper were elected. And Shay Johnson saw a drastic change in the council meetings. It felt like a Jerry Springer show. Because it was loud, you know, really no order to the meeting. Just regular attendants could shout in questions to the council, and the council would address them, which is unusual. But it was fun. It seemed like folks were having a good time being there on a Wednesday night. Now, when we have our city council meetings, we pretty much have a packed house every night. We've actually been standing room only before. So I started going to city council meetings, and I'm like, what the hell is happening here? We've got people deciding on things that they hadn't even read. Every two weeks, 
At City Hall, these people were making decisions that directly affected my life. Bug had won his seat on the council by promising legal weed to the city. But his plan was far from complete. He still had an uphill battle ahead of him. To bring weed to Adelanto, he needed a majority of the council to vote for his plan. And Bug didn't have the votes. But he was more than ready to roll up his sleeves, get a little help from some war veterans, and use his charm to change some hearts and minds. From Crooked Media, this is Dreamtown, the story of Adelanto. Chapter 2, Going Green. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at Elias.com slash sweeps. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. This is clearly an NPR audience. (laughs) I think they're so smart. What the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events. 2014, going into 2015, was a complicated time for weed politics in California. At the statewide level, marijuana was not legal the way it is today. Dispensaries had only been offering weed to medicinal patients. But the state was on the verge of legalizing recreational marijuana in an upcoming ballot initiative. And Bug had dollar signs in his eyes. I was the only person that was pretty educated on the subject. And and comes to find out, I really didn't know as, as much as I thought I did. But that did not deter Bug. He forged ahead, making his pro-weed arguments at the city council meetings, trying to convince the other council members to go along with his plan. And much of that argument was centered on the economic benefits of weed. In fact, lots of cash-strapped cities, like Adelanto, wanted to get ahead of the expected green rush. Once California legalized weed, a whole new class of people were likely to jump into the market. The industry is conservatively 40 to $50 billion a year in the United States. It's the second most valuable crop in the country after corn. That's Amanda Chicago-Lewis, a journalist who covers the weed industry. The green rushers was like the usually the well-funded individuals who were like, ooh, this is a new and emerging market. Like, let me get in on the ground floor. First mover advantage. Among this new class of weed entrepreneurs were celebrities, professional athletes, and venture capitalists. Bug's thinking was that all these folks would flock to Adelanto to grow their weed. Not only was their land cheap, but Adelanto 
was only an hour and a half from Los Angeles, one of the largest markets for weed sales in the country. Before a single marijuana plant could be legally grown in Adelanto, the city council had to pass a legalization ordinance. And Bug wasn't the only one pushing for this ordinance. There were a lot of lobbyists and cannabis entrepreneurs who were eager to help him. The people from the industry that were knowledgeable came. They put on presentations. They brought, man, they brought a poor little girl that was like paralyzed or something and had real serious problems and uh, on CBDs doing much better. We brought in veterans that had limbs blown off, you know, in the war and all that. And, and we listened to them. We listened to the citizens. They did have a lot of people at the council meetings, a lot. But they weren't all residents. This is longtime Adelanto resident Diana Esmeralda. You had to walk through all of those dudes in the back of the room to get in or out of the city council chambers. And I was like, who are all these guys kind of lurking in the back of the room? Like, who are these dudes, man? Kind of had a mobby vibe to it. <laughs> Diana grew up in Adelanto, and she's a bit of a gadfly around town. She attends city council meetings often. She's also run for mayor and for city council a few times. She's never won, but once she came in third. Also, she loves weed. She was all for Bugs' plan, but she was also wary of the deep-pocketed outsiders who started showing up to the city council meetings. It's hard to overstate how much riskier and more dangerous the cannabis industry is because of the inconsistency between federal and state law. It's crazy. The type of person that wants to work in that environment is not necessarily going to be the most, you know, safe, trustworthy, reliable business person because the, you know, reliable, trustworthy, safe business person doesn't want to get involved in something where you're violating federal law. Over the course of a year, this parade of passionate weed advocates and mafia-looking dudes made their case to the city council that this plant was the last best chance to keep Adelanto solvent. And at times, it got ugly. It was just so nasty and chaotic. A lot of people in town were worried that if they legalized marijuana cultivation, it would bring more crime and flood the community with weed. And those opinions spilled out into the chaos of these unorganized meetings. I just go out the back door, hop in my car and leave while they, all the commotion was going on. I said, oh, the meeting's over. I'm out of here, man. I just go home. Because sometimes these meetings would go to like one in the morning. And it's like, wow, one in the morning. I'm tired. I'm really fucking tired. I got to go, man. Just a reminder, it was and still is against federal law to grow, possess, or sell marijuana. The feds still classify weed as a Schedule I narcotic, which is insane and makes no sense. And that classification also makes it a very complicated, high-risk endeavor to build an entire economy around an illegal substance. For Bug, the risk was worth it. And not just for the good of the city, for the good of the whole world. I want to make the strain that cures a disease here in Atalanto. 
I want to be able to say that our products coming from our city are curing people, you know, in, I don't know, Bogota, Colombia, in Australia, you know, England, Africa. I mean, we could be actually helping the entire world. The debate dragged on for months. Bug tried all sorts of arguments. He talked revenue, he talked curing diseases and healing veterans, but none of them seemed to resonate. And then, finally, one of Bug's arguments started to gain some traction. The idea that if Adelanto got rich from weed, then the city could stick it to their neighboring rival, the town of Victorville. So I think what this council was able to tap into is uh, they very much see themselves as underdogs. Again, this is Shade Johnson, the reporter who covered City Hall during this time, taking notes and observing the early stages of a frenzy that would later engulf the town. They see themselves as, you know, the kid brother to the city of Victorville, the city of Asperia, the town of Apple Valley, which are all neighboring municipalities in the area who relatively have their stuff together. The newly elected mayor, Rich Kerr, was also on board with Bug's plan. And the two of them got some traction pitching this idea to the citizens. Everybody laughed at Atalanto and look at us now. We're gonna bring marijuana in here. We're gonna get tens and tens of millions of dollars. We're gonna have a budget surplus. We're gonna build hotels, kind of all these things that a modern city will have, and then you'll see. With these kinds of predictions floating around, public opinion was shifting, and there was a growing demand for this dream that Bug and Rich were selling, this silver bullet that would not only save Adelanto from bankruptcy, but usher in a new and unprecedented era of prosperity in the city. By and large, the people who went to council meetings, and I mean like 90% of them, were the cheering section um, for, the, for the city council. You know, you have a lot of just public who are like, you know, go rich, go, go bug, let's do this thing. But even with all this cheering from the audience, the other council members were not on board. The other three members, Ed Camargo, Jermaine Wright, and Charlie Glasper were all opposed to legalizing cultivation before it came to a vote. Jermaine, the former pastor, was a man of God, and he was morally opposed to legalizing weed. If you know you just want to go out and smoke a doobie and it doesn't do any, it's just to get high, I have a problem with that. And Ed, well, Ed liked to vote no on things. Councilor Camargo? Nay. Ed presented himself to be very uh, skeptical of everything, very cautious of everything. Charlie Glasper was also a hard no. I think I said what I had to say about it. Nick. Charlie Glasper was adamantly opposed to the city involving itself in the sale of marijuana. Mark Gutglick is a reporter who's been covering Adelanto for decades. One of Glasper's big concerns was that all this weed would be sold to local residents. Bug and Kerr countered this argument by promising that they would only be legalizing the growing of weed. And they convinced him that uh, they weren't going to be selling marijuana to Adelanto citizens. Apparently, promising not to sell weed to citizens was enough to get him to change his mind. On November 23rd of 2015, one year after Bug was elected, his plan became a reality 
when the ordinance to legalize medicinal weed cultivation was approved, including a vote from Charlie Glasper. I believe fully that they took full advantage of Charlie Glasper. Again, here is Diana Esmeralda, a local pot advocate. She's talking about something else that was going on with Charlie Glasper at this time. Quite unfortunately, I I believe he was in the initial throes, initial stages of dementia. Diana remembers one incident in particular, when she and her partner, Tim, came to say hi to Glasper before a council meeting. We walked in, and Charlie didn't even know who we were. Some people, including Diana, believe that Glasper's memory loss, whether it was from dementia, Alzheimer's, or something else, made him vulnerable in ways that Bug and Mayor Kerr took advantage of. I didn't realize that he had lost so much of his memory, but they were doing this on purpose. And he was a really good man. He didn't deserve that. That was like gut-wrenching. It's hard to know how much Glasper's mental decline affected his decision-making. He passed away in 2021, so we weren't able to ask him about this. But there was another reason why Bug's ordinance went through. A second council member flipped, one that was maybe even more surprising than Charlie. Jermaine Wright, the pastor, the guy who met Bug on the side of the road and from the beginning was against Bug's plan. In a surprising turn of events, Jermaine also changed his mind and he voted yes. So Bug had his majority. Weed was coming to Adelanto. So why did the former pastor change his mind? And what would all these radical changes mean for this small town? That's after the break. As a farmer's son from a desert region in California, J.B. Hamby thinks a lot about water. I spent a lot of time digging up history, particularly about water, which is the origins of the Imperial Valley. How this 28-year-old became the youngest lead negotiator on the Colorado River ever. And how he could shape the most consequential negotiations to date. Listen to Imperfect Paradise, the Gen Z water dealmaker, wherever you get podcasts. Alleyist has a new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of some of your favorite L.A. restaurants to find out how and why they do what they do. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for the first event where we'll explore how restaurants help make a neighborhood and we'll all have something delicious to eat afterwards. It's May 22nd at the Crawford. Get your tickets now at LAist.com events. When Bug and Mayor Kerr stirred up all this excitement about weed, it put former pastor Jermaine Wright in a difficult position. On one hand, it was his job to represent the interests of his constituents. On the other hand, he was personally against weed. But one of the points that Bug kept making when weed came up was that he was not talking about drugs. He was talking about medicine. He made it clear that Adelanto would never allow recreational marijuana to be grown in Adelanto. Their ordinance would only cover medicinal marijuana. 
This distinction between recreational and medicinal created an opening for Germain to reconsider his position. I spent a lot of time um, speaking to national bishops in uh, the Methodist Church, as, as well as Church of God in Christ, um, talking to a lot of people that I've known that I have a lot of respect for, and really searching myself to see, you know, am I doing what's right not only for my city, but can I look at myself in the mirror when I do this? After much prayer and talking and, and researching, and um, actually I spoke to my mother and she's like, remember when, you know, back in, in 94, when we were at grandma's house just before she passed and she kicked you out of her room? And I'm like, yeah, it's because she was using medicinal marijuana because, you know, she was dying of cancer. And I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me that? You know what's going on in my community. And she's like, well, you had to find it out for yourself. So as Jermaine listened to Bug and Kerr make their arguments, alongside the growing chorus of pro-pot locals, Jermaine's opposition to weed started to soften. As a politician, he was also reading the room. Here's Shay Johnson again. I think Jermaine just sort of knew, like, this is, a, this is where it's headed. There's no stopping that train once it kind of got started. The next order of business, once the ordinance passed, was deciding where exactly in the city they would grow all this weed. Adelanto is mostly undeveloped land, but one area stood out as the best option. The southern edge of the city, home to a few industrial businesses, the federal prison, the immigration detention facility, and a strip club. We actually took the extra step to make sure it was away from schools, away from students, away from the general population. So if parents came in, my kids are going to be out there where they're growing medical marijuana. Well, if your kid is by prisons and a strip club, what kind of parent are you? This part of town now had a new name, the Green Zone. And that touched off a just incredible frenzy. With the ordinance now in effect, the city started accepting cultivation permit applications. And suddenly, the green rush was on. The wheels are in motion. Ain't nobody getting in the way. You know, I don't care if you're the sheriff. I don't care if you're the governor. I don't care who you are. All of a sudden, there were a whole lot of new visitors to Adelanto. And they were making a beeline right to City Hall. There, there was a line at the planning counter. And that, that line stretched through, down the hallway, through, down into the foyer of City Hall and out the door. And many of these applicants were carrying briefcases, and those briefcases were loaded with cash. It takes significant capital to fund a large-scale grow operation. And because pot is federally illegal, much of the business is done in cash. Many of the folks lining up at City Hall were representatives of people with very deep pockets, basically bagmen for people like billionaire real estate developer James Provetti, Russian oligarch Dmitry Bosov, and former professional boxer Mike Tyson. Bug was giddy about all these rich people suddenly interested in Adelanto, and he felt like he deserved credit for bringing them to town. No, you wouldn't see uh, 
very expensive sports cars and Rolls Royces and Bentleys driving down the street. None, none of that would have happened. If I would have never ran on this issue, nothing would have ever changed in this city. Even Germain was now joining Bug in his victory lap as they started to calculate the expected tax revenue. Based on the number of permit applications they had approved and how many weed plants each permit allowed, they predicted how much tax revenue each grow facility would bring in. Um, on the low side, uh, the larger facilities should be bringing in about $75,000 every three months to the city in tax. That amount is just per facility. Just to put these numbers in context, the council predicted that when just the grow facilities whose permit applications had been approved were up and running, they would collectively be bringing in $12 million a year. And this is in a city where the entire budget was roughly $14 million. And this was only in the first year of legal weed. That is a significant shift. It actually will put the city in the black for the first time and allow us to actually start getting some projects done. We're getting rid of the waste and we're getting down to the nitty gritty of building a foundation and so that we can build the city back up. We are a Phoenix city and we're on the rise and we're growing and out of the ashes we are rising. It felt like a miracle. For a city like Adelanto, where roughly a third of the population lives below the poverty line and doesn't have access to safe drinking water, a city that has always struggled economically and been looked down on by neighboring towns, to suddenly, in the span of a few months, have a massive stream of revenue pouring into the city coffers. It was wild. Everybody was against us, you know, but it was like Atalanta against the world. You know, we took them on, and now we're winning. There was also another unintended benefit of passing this weed ordinance. Property value in the green zone skyrocketed. After the legalization ordinance passed and the green zone was established, I took a trip there to see the progress for myself. By this point, new buildings were being built, but there weren't any growers up and running yet. I met up with Diana Esmeralda and her partner, Tim Graston, the owner of a dispensary in Victorville, who was eyeing the new cultivation opportunities in Adelanto. They took me on a little tour of the city. So now we're gonna take a little trip down here for a few miles and uh... I'm going to show you what the industrial area is. Tim is in his 60s, collared dress shirt and a vape pen in hand as he navigated the poorly paved streets of Adelanto. In the distance were the peaks of the Angeles National Forest. All around us, Joshua trees were sticking up out of the ground. And along the side of the road were bulldozers flattening the land for the foundations of the massive warehouses that would soon be filled with weed. So... This is new building, so this is probably something going on there. Um, there are a lot of people who just had warehouses for years and years and years in the city. And these buildings are going for millions now when you couldn't even sell the sheet metal, <laughs> you know, <for laughs> before. The rapid rise in property values meant more property taxes for the city, which was just one more positive development in a city that hadn't had many of those in a long time. There was an exuberance in Adelanto 
that hadn't been felt for a while. Maybe ever. Yeah. Shit. Just then, a warning alarm went off on Diana's phone. Okay, it's a dust storm warning, that's all. Avoid travel. In the distance, a huge, dark storm cloud was headed our way. So, sorry, sorry. Okay, so I remember being a kid, and um, we didn't have fancy phones like that, but we did have 11 acres, and we could see the dust storms coming. Like this big, black mountain coming. We had to cut our tour of the Green Zone short because of the dust storm that suddenly appeared. And it made me think of that old Yiddish proverb about how people plan and God laughs. On July 13th, 2017, an article appeared in the local paper that seemed to be the culmination of this new era of legal weed in Adelanto. And it put a nice little bow in Bugs Bonnet. The headline said, City adopts budget with $400,000 surplus, buoyed by commercial cannabis income. The city was in the black. It was starting to look like Bug had done it. He had pulled off the impossible. It's the most amazing thing. I swear to God, I actually pinched myself. Is this really real? It's really happening. You know, it's like um, being on top of the world. Was this really happening? Were the citizens of Adelanto living through some sort of psychedelic Western where the long-haired stranger in the Hawaiian shirt and straw cowboy hat comes to town to save the day? Or was the town living through its own version of the music man with Bug playing the part of Harold Hill, selling imaginary instruments to unwitting townspeople? While the fancy sports cars and briefcases full of cash grabbed everyone's attention, there were some much more consequential things happening around town, particularly when it came to all that skyrocketing real estate. And maybe most interestingly, this one piece of property, an abandoned bar called The Jet Room. The Jet Room was a restaurant and bar that opened decades ago, back when Adelanto was a very different place than it is today. Quite different. I used to get on a horse and ride it, clear across. The only road that I'd have to cross would be 18 uh, Palmdale Road. Joy Jeanette is a longtime Adelanto resident. She's 83 and has lived in the city since 1959. Back then, the population was less than 2,000 people, and the city's economy revolved around George Air Force Base. She moved here with her husband, who was in the Air Force and stationed at George. Well, of course, uh, when George was active, uh, you couldn't find a place to live. I mean, when we first got here, we lived in a barbershop right on Palmdale Boulevard. I'm telling you, one of my sons had a barbershop chair right in his bedroom. We couldn't find a place. These chicken coops were being converted into apartments for our airmen because there was no place to rent. It was booming. When the base was open, the jet room was a popular destination for locals like city employee Rachel Carranza. It was a little hole-in-the-wall place to go right after work, you know. There was a door on the side there. You walk in, just a little, um, like, uh, what do you call it, bar? The bar, and one jukebox, a couple of tables and stuff. Everybody knew everybody. 
But the good times in Adelanto never seemed to stick around for too long. The Air Force Base closed down in 1992, and Joy witnessed the effects firsthand. Horrible. Now that place looks like a war zone. It makes your heart sick. With the base closed and the airmen gone, businesses in town started closing their doors, including the jet room. The building sat there, boarded up, and baking in the desert sun for years. And there's a good chance it would have stayed that way forever. But then, something surprising happened. In 2016, a year after the weed ordinance passed, a personal injury attorney by the name of David Serrano came to town and bought the abandoned property. Serrano said he wanted to turn the former bar into his law office, which seemed odd to a lot of people. The jet room is this vacant bar on the highway out in the middle of nowhere. It's a big building, and he wants to operate it as a law office. So he says, which is a really strange place to put a law office. Again, this is Shay Johnson. And like any good reporter, he had a lot of questions about this plan to turn an abandoned bar into a law office. So he started doing a little investigating. I went down to City Hall and I wanted to look at the plans for this law office. And sure enough, you know, I get taken to the back room. And that's the other thing that's great about covering a city like Atalanto is there's everything's sort of loose. There's not a lot of like safeguards. And it, it, it's good and bad. And in this way, it was really nice because I just get walked right back into, you know, the, the planning room and they open up the plans for me and it's no big deal. So Shea pulled out the planning documents, which included the construction plans for the remodel of the building. And... They open up the plans, and I see that this law office has, you know, these really elongated counters, and it's got um, a safe room where, you know, you can lock stuff up, and it's got overhead lighting. Why would a law office need glass display counters and a large safe? Shea kept digging. And so, ultimately, come to find out, yeah, this law office was actually, you know, go figure, um set up to be a dispensary. Now, nothing about this old bar being converted into a dispensary made any sense. Because while it was legal to grow marijuana in Adelanto, it was against the law to operate a dispensary in the city. Not only that, but Bog and Kurt explicitly promised people, including Charlie Glasper and Jermaine Wright, that weed would never be sold in Adelanto. And the law they passed in November of 2015 reflected that promise. But Shea says what was also surprising was the document he landed on next. And then the other thing that was really interesting is the real estate agent who brokered the deal on the seller's side. That real estate agent? His name was John Woodard Jr. Though most people in town knew him by his nickname, Bug. So what exactly was the real story behind the jet room? The answer would turn Adelanto upside down. That's next time. If you loved this episode of Dreamtown, the story of Adelanto, you can hear the next episode right now. For early ad-free access to episodes, Join Friends of the Pod 
Crooked's new subscription community at crooked.com slash friends. Adelanto is an original podcast from Crooked Media. It's hosted, written, and executive produced by me, David Weinberg. Nick White is our story editor. Angel Carreras is our associate producer. Sound design, mix, and mastering by Brendan Baker of Phenomophon. Our theme song is by Icarus himself. And our original score is by Eric Phillips. Fact-checking by Amy Tardiff. Additional production help from Inez Maza, Sydney Rapp, and Kobe Copeland. Thanks to Betsy Zyko for narrating portions of the show. From Crooked Media, our executive producers are Sarah Geismer, Katie Long, and Mary Knopf. With special thanks to Allison Falzetta, Lyra Smith, Andrew Leland, Richard Parks III, Shaka Molly, and Katya Epikina. your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS for a morning of multilingual story times, interactive performances, art making, and lots of kid fun. Bring the whole fam and join us for a super fun Saturday at LAS in Pasadena on June 1st. Tickets at las.com slash events. See you there.